Well, today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 11, and uh, we're going to read verses 25 through 30 in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles that are under your your chairs if you're uh, joining us in person. Uh, If you are joining us online, feel free to uh, look up the scripture on your own, Uh, but we are also going to project the scripture. It's just sometimes kind of hard to read it, especially if you're on a device or something. Uh, But again, it is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And once you're ready to read the scripture, if you're joining us in person, um, or if you feel comfortable doing this at home, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we have been talking about uh, the kingdom, and uh, this sermon series is called Seek First, because Uh, we're coming to this understanding of how important the kingdom is. And last week we talked about this idea that the kingdom is not something that we just experience after we die, but it's supposed to be a reality that we experience now. It's not something we make up in our heads. It is something that God has instituted. It is real. And we have ways of accessing that. And and, and it kind of changes everything if we are able to live in this reality that God is king that he reigns and rules in this world. He is in control. And not only that, but he loves us. We are his children. We're not just some peasants in the kingdom, right? We're not just random civilians. We are royalty because we are children of God, right? We're children of the king. That makes you princes and princesses, right? It might sound kind of weird, but it's true. You are valuable. And if you know that, if you know you're valuable, if you know that God loves you and and you're able to live in that reality, it might change everything. But friends, I have to admit that oftentimes when you hear this idea of seeking the kingdom, you you even hear that phrase uh, in scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I wonder if many of us, we picture this. And if you happen to just be listening to this message and you can't see the slide I'm showing up, it's a picture of somebody whipping another person and that person is carrying a heavy rock. And I wonder if sometimes you hear that in the church, if you've grown up in the church, if you know anything about religion or God, sometimes when we talk about the kingdom, all you hear is another burden, another thing that you have to do. Read your Bible. You're not reading your Bible? What's wrong with you? Hey, you should pray. You're not praying? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you praying? Pray more. Read the Bible more. Go to church more. Go to Bible study. You got to serve. You got to serve the poor. You got to serve your church. You got to serve your neighbor. You got to obey your parents. You got to obey God. You got to obey the rules. You got to obey the Bible. You got to obey these commands. And I wonder if it starts to feel just, just heavy, right? It just feels like more and more of a burden. And friends, what we see in this passage is this idea that Jesus is telling Those who labor, who've been working, and are heavy laden, 
uh, he, he's inviting us to come to him. And he says, I will give you rest. Why do we feel burdened? And it may not just be the church, it's the world as well. You may feel very, very tired because of the kind of life that we're living. Why? Why are we so heavy laden? Uh, friends, I think that, you know, a burden, it's something that's weighing you down, right? Something that's very heavy, and it just becomes burdensome after a while. There's things you carry all the time, and they're not that heavy, so it doesn't really burden you. So Some people are wearing hats, right? It's not that heavy, so it doesn't really burden you. But if I were to put a rock on your head, probably after a while, you know, your, your neck is going to start, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, feeling that. Uh, your, your body's going to start feeling that. Your head's going to start feeling it, right? And so there are things you carry all the time that are very light, and you're able to carry it. But there are other things it's too heavy for you, and it's applying pressure to you, right? And so even something like you know, just being tired, right? Why are we tired? Because we're holding the weight of something. And that weight is too great for you. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Steve, I'm just tired because I'm not getting enough sleep. Well, hey, I think you're tired because you are carrying the weight of consciousness too long, right? And that has become too heavy for you. <laughs> Keeping your eyes open that long, right? Living in your head that long. Just having to be awake that long. It's too heavy for you, you know? But for others of us, it is uh, some other kind of burden. You're thinking about something. Or you feel like you have to do something, right? And, and these weights and these burdens are, are weighing us down so much. And friends, I got to say, Jesus tells us to come to him, and he offers us rest. Now, I want to take Jesus at his word, okay? Because I think sometimes you hear a message like this, and we're kind of of two minds. Uh, on the one hand, we're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that sounds wonderful. Rest? I want it. But on the other hand, we still have a running list, especially if you've been in the church for a long time, especially if, if you serve, you know, that some of us are like, okay, Pastor Steve, I know, I know where this is going, but if I'm being really honest, if I can access that part of myself that I'm kind of like not fully bringing into the light of Christ, into the light of my consciousness, there's a part of me that just feels like, yeah, but, yeah, okay, you're offering me rest, but I still have all these responsibilities, but I, I have to serve. I committed, right? I, I mean, I have to go to church. I got to pray. I got to read the Bible, right? I got to not sin. I got to do all these things. And, and, and it's just something that it, we just think it, it goes with the territory. We, we absolutely have to do it. And it's become very burdensome. And, you know, so, so we, we hear this, this, this invitation. And a part of us, I think, this is my, I mean, you know, you search your own heart, this is true for you, but I think a lot of us don't fully believe Jesus. <laughs> We're like, you tell us to come to you, but it just feels like a little bit of a trick. You know, it's gonna be like, come to me. All you are, are weary and heavy laden. We're like, oh, that's so wonderful. Okay, take, you know, put, lay down your burdens, find rest, and then join the praise team, and then go to Bible study. And then go pray every day, one hour, and we're like, oh, it just becomes a heavy burden again. And I wonder if some of us were just like, mm, you're not going to trick me, Jesus. <laughs> you're to trick me, and it's heavy burden, you know? And so do we really come to Jesus? We're going to talk about that, what that means. But I wonder if even in our hearts we hold back apart from Jesus because we don't fully trust. <laughs> we hold back a little bit from God right? And we're just kind of like that person who's been tricked too many times. You ever see, see the peanuts where, who is that? Um, who's the one who holds the football? Is that, 
uh, Lucy, who holds the football, and Charlie Brown is going to get <laughs> Mike is giving me a heads up. He's a Charlie Brown expert. He's like, yes. <laughs> and so she's holding the football, and Charlie Brown goes to kick it, and every single time she pulls it away, right? And it's like a running joke in Peanuts because um, she'll be like, okay, this time, seriously, Charlie Brown, I'll let you kick it. He's like, Okay, and then he tries again, and she pulls it away, and he's, whoa, and he, like, completely flips over, and then the next time, she's like, seriously, Charlie Brown, I mean it this time, and he falls for it every time, and maybe at a certain point, Charlie Brown will get really jaded. He'll get really cynical, right? He'll kind of look at her and just be like, no, I don't trust you anymore. Turn his back, you know, and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if in some small ways, maybe not that obvious, not that dramatic, but we kind of do that with God. We don't fully trust God anymore because we're like, ah, <laughs> you're not going to trick me. You know, you're not going to trick me into serving. You're not going to trick me into, you know, doing things I don't want to. And, but friends, I, I want to, again, let's take Jesus at his word, but look at what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this is the part where you have to at least acknowledge that Jesus is being honest. But again, maybe some of us are still like, okay, but Pastor Steve, like, you know, you just said that Jesus was going to give us rest. But if you know what a yoke is, that may not feel particularly restful. Okay, so uh, we, if you've ever heard uh, a pastor preach on this, usually they'll tell you that yokes are used for a beast of burden, usually oxen. Um, and they were used to kind of plow fields or to carry heavy things. And so what you, often was happening is that there'd be this, this wooden thing that goes uh, on the shoulders of the beast of burden. And then uh, uh, there, there would be like a, a little place for their head to go through. And so you would get two beasts of burden and they would carry something together, right? They carry a plow behind them, right? And, and the idea was to be able to do the work. Right? And so maybe some of you are like, but Pastor Steve, that doesn't sound restful, right? I mean, that sounds like work. And so, friends, this is the thing that we have to acknowledge. Maybe some of us, we think our idea of rest is don't do anything. And maybe it is. But this is the thing about rest or, or any break is it's not supposed to last forever, right? You can have moments where you don't do anything. I think that is absolutely important. Right? This is a sermon for another time, but you guys are familiar with the, the concept of Sabbath, right? Sabbath is the idea that God ordained it that one out of seven days, we do nothing. We just rest. So God knows you need rest, right? So he's not trying to overburden you or overwork you, but this is the thing. Can we live our lives to just do nothing at all? Have you guys ever thought about that? You're like, man, I want to retire at the age of 20, and then I'm just going to do nothing. I'm, I'm going to just like, you know, like be sitting at the ocean and just eat shrimp and play video games and, you know, just, just watch Netflix. I'm going to watch every Korean drama ever made. Friends, is that your idea of paradise? Because I got to tell you, the, the people I know who, <laughs> who like, you know, spend extended moments of doing nothing. And I mean, I, this is kind of like my confession. And my wife felt like this too. But we went on a honeymoon and it was like, like a full week. And we were like, oh, man, this is going to be so great, right? Like, so looking forward to it. We went to St. Thomas. It was beautiful, beautiful, clear water, right? And we ate such good food, fresh seafood. And after about three, four days, 
even though it was wonderful, I mean, it's, uh, my new bride is with me. She's beautiful, right? And we're having a great time. But both of us were like, mm. <laughs> it's like, kind of feels like, you, you know, like maybe it's a little too long. You know, maybe, maybe an entire week was too long. And maybe some of you guys are like, oh, Pastor Steve, you're crazy. I, I could do that for the rest of my life. And I'm telling you, I don't think you could. I think the people who, who retire at the age of 25, we think that's the life, but they get bored. I'm telling you, they get bored. They've got to do something. You have to do something with your life. That's what you're built for, right? You can't just do nothing. And, and so this is the thing. Even if you retire or you, you stop doing what you are doing now, you're going to do something else, right? And you're going to face trouble in life. You always are. There's always going to be some kind of burden you carry, right? And even if you're retired, you're going to now have the burden of being incredibly, incredibly bored and trying to figure out what to do with your time and to not feel lonely because other people are out there and they're working and, you know, not everyone else your age is retired at the age of 25, right? And so, friends, this is this acknowledgement, this idea that you're going to have to do life. But the thing is, Are we just relegated to this idea that when you do life, you're just going to get overburdened? You're just going to get crushed by life? I was talking to this about the to the youth last night, and I don't know if I was like bumming them out a little bit, but I was like, "Yo, like when you guys are young, you know, you have so much energy, you have so many things to look forward to, and then when you start getting like my age, like middle age, into your forties, and then you just see like a lot of adults, like like just life has just been wearing them down. People just get really tired." You know, we get bags under our eyes and, you know, and, and just a lot of times, like, you know, when you're really young, you have lots of joy. And for a lot of adults, <laughs> I mean, again, some of you guys are, are like, not like, you know, working full time and doing that kind of stuff yet. You know, <laughs> you haven't like raised a family yet. And, and I'm not trying to bum you out, but the people I know who, who are in that stage of life, so many of them, man, it's just like the joy has been sucked out of life, you know? And it's like, you know, sometimes like adults are like, I, I, I literally have nothing to look forward to. I, I just, I, I feel no joy, you know? And it's like, man, that, that's so heavy. And by the way, you, you know when, when a lot of people regain their joy? When they're older. Do you ever see like grandparents, right? And, and they, they're like, kind of like little kids again, you know? That doesn't always happen. You, you get like bitter old men and bitter old women too. But the idea is that, friends, there's a burden we are carrying the burden of of life, and we have to figure out how to unburden, or it is going to keep crushing you, right? And this is something that all of us are going to find out. But Jesus is trying to give us a different way. I mean, we've been talking about this idea of kingdom. It's a different reality. To live in this reality as if God were king, as if God were real, and he loves you, right? And he's taking care of you. It's a different kind of reality. If you're living in that different kind of reality, how then do you live your life? And this is what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is going to be a whole other uh, message. We're going to talk about soul work and what the soul is. But to just kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what the soul is. It's the idea, it is the full integration of all that you are. And and maybe that sounds like a mouthful or you don't understand what that means. But think about this. Like you got a mind, right? You got a heart, right? You got a will. Uh, You have a spirit. You know, you have a body. And all of these things are supposed to be working in unity. And when they are, your soul is good. And when you are doing what God has created you to do, right, 
For instance, God has created you, I think, to connect meaningfully with other people and to love them, right? And when we are able to do that, to really be generous, right, to really be loving, it's just right. Your soul is right. You guys ever, like, love someone, like, fully, right? And, and you're not thinking about yourself, and then they love you fully, too. It's beautiful, right? Your soul is right. But how about this? What if you try to act like you're loving, but your mind is not completely there, right? Or your will, like, you, you don't actually want to do it. You're like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love my wife, <laughs> supposed to serve her, but I don't want to. You know what starts to happen? Your soul starts getting fractured, Right? Because you're not integrated. You're not all doing the same thing in the same purpose. It's not coming into unity. Now your, your soul is disintegrating. It is breaking apart. And a lot of us were doing that. A lot of us were doing work that's so heavy because we are disintegrated. There was this time where uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, there was a video that, that went kind of viral. I don't remember it exactly, but it was basically someone who works in a hospital. I think it was a doctor who was talking about this, this idea of burnout. And why do we burn out? Why do so many people burn out? And, and one of the things that, that he was saying was he thinks burnout comes from this disunity of the things that we're doing, that there's so many people who got into healthcare because they wanted to help people, right? They thought they were going to help people. And then they go and then they hear about like insurance and then there's all this stuff where somebody who needs help, well, we can't help that person. Or it's just about money, and we have to just see as many patients as possible. We can't give the kind of quality care that we want to give to this person because we just have to see a certain number of people. And, and there's something that starts happening in a person's soul. When, you know, this was what God called you to, or, you know, this is my language, but your vocation was to help somebody. And then there's other things that are competing with that, and you start to become disintegrated. You're like, what am I doing? Right? We're acting like these people are like, like a product, and we just want to get money from them. And it's not right. And just something within your soul starts to splinter. And, and friends, we need to find a way to rest and repair and heal our souls. And Jesus wants to do that, right? And so he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is just, he's being upfront, right? He's like, you're going to have to live life right? You can't retire, go to a Caribbean island, and, and, you know, that's not what your soul was created for, right? I mean, maybe later, right? But if you're in these years that God is calling you to something, right, you got to live your life. And, but the, the thing that Jesus is saying is, I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to give you a, a yoke, and the yoke was actually meant to do work more efficiently. Can you imagine if someone had to plow a field without the, these big oxen, Right? And you just had like a little rake or a little hoe, and you're just like, mm, mm, mm. Can, can you imagine like this giant plow that you have? Just what an innovation that was to be like, oh, you know what? If we just get like, two, like, like you know, one really big oxen, and it can pull that plow so much better than me, right? And you're like, wow, I can plow the field so much easier. It's so much easier. The, the farmer who first had an oxen with a plow, right? And before, they were just doing this backbreaking labor on their own. And the night after they get the oxen with the plow, I bet they felt so good, <laughs> right? That they were like, man, that was so easy. That burden was light. Now, how about this? What if you are one of the oxen? And you're like, okay, well, good for you, farmer, but this is hard work, right? But what if, what if, what if, what if one day you're like, okay, so if one oxen is pulling, Right? And, and that's really efficient and good. What if we got a second oxen? 
right? And we actually were able to kind of like balance it, where these two were equally distributing the weight so that they could pull this plow more efficiently. I bet the oxen, the day after they got a second oxen, and this improved yoke was like, yo, like, man, my shoulders, right? It feels so much better, right? This is what Jesus is talking about. I'm going to give you a new kind of yoke, my yoke, not the yoke of this world, right? Because that's what we've been carrying. The yoke of this world is tiring us out. When we feel like it all depends on us, I got to do the work, right? I got to figure this out. But Jesus is like, guess what? This is my yoke. And guess who's going to help you pull the load? (laughs) I am. It's my yoke, right? And so I'm going to be on the other side pulling it with you. That's what it's about. Learning to be able to let Jesus help you in life. And then the burden becomes light. And the yoke is easy. And you find rest for your souls. Not only that, but Jesus is going to show you a different way to plow. (laughs) Maybe a more efficient way to plow. Maybe he's going to actually send you to a different field right? Because the field that you have been plowing has been super rocky and difficult. And he's like, yo, 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 this doesn't have to be so hard. Let's go over here to this field, right? Where the, the, the soil is really smooth, you know? And, and th- there's going to be this way in which Jesus teaches us if we let him, if we go to him trusting that his yoke is better, right? And so, friends, I, I'm, I'm going to say something. And uh, I, I, again, I, I know it's going to sound like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth because some of you are like, ah, but Pastor Steve, he's just winding up to tell us we have to serve again. <laughs> he's just winding up to tell us there's all these spiritual practices we have to do. And I, I just want to say that I don't hear that in this passage. Jesus is just simply giving you an invitation, and it's so simple. He says, just come to me and learn from me. That's it. Just come and be with me. And yes, we are going to do some things. But if you do it with me, and and you're going to know you're doing it right because the burden will be light and the yoke will be easy, right? You're going to feel this peace. You're going to feel peace in your soul. There's going to be a lightness to the journey, right? And maybe for some of us, friends, we have to ask this question. If you know, let's say for those of you in church, for those of you who have grown up in the church, and you feel super burdened all the time, there's some people when we serve, like, like even the thought of coming to church, we're like, ah, oh, I got to do welcoming team this morning. Ah, oh, I got to do praise team. Oh, small group. Oh, man. You know, and friends, I, I just wonder, I wonder, is that really what God wants for you? And this is somebody, you know, I'm speaking as, uh, I've been a pastor here at LGM for uh, almost 19 years now. And there are times where I have felt that too. And uh, I I know pastors uh, who burn out after two, three years, and they're like, this is too much. I can't do it anymore. And I'm not saying this to brag because if you guys know me, if if you know my story at all, I've been in therapy three different times. (laughs) I've had nervous breakdowns. Um, about three years ago, I was having just ridiculous panic attacks, like all the time. There's so many times I wanted to quit. And one of the things that I realized, friends, was I have to find a different way of following Jesus. I have to find a different way of doing life with God because the old way is not working. If I just do it the way I did before, I'm going to burn out. 
And one of the things for me that was a really heavy burden was this idea of what I need to do as a Christian. And, and I, I, I've shared this before, but uh, uh, I'm just being honest with you guys. There's so many times where I, I, I would... Uh, you know, tell people, you got to read the Bible, right? You got to read the Bible. Good thing, right? Read the Bible. You should have a quiet time. You should pray, right? You should do all these things. And for me, it was so hard to do it. It was really burdensome. And whenever I thought about praying, I feel really guilty. Whenever I thought about reading scripture, I feel really guilty. And I would do it with the spirit of guilt. And I would do it out of the spirit of obligation. And I would like, just do it real quick. I'm like, ah, did I do it long enough? Maybe I should just read one more chapter. I should read one more chapter and be like, okay, did I do it long enough? Did I do it enough where I can have some integrity and, you know, when I tell other people to read the Bible? And, and I really didn't get much out of it. I mean, every now and then, you know, God is good. God is gracious. I think I did get the odd nugget every now and then, despite my heart and attitude, right? But I got to tell you, friends, it was not a really restful thing. And one of the things for me, actually, in my spiritual practice, as I started to put together my spiritual practice again, is I actually stopped reading scripture for a while, at least the way that I used to, right? And maybe some people are like, bad pastor. I'm just being honest, right? My spiritual practice, it was mostly then prayer. And prayer was not really about what I did, about saying lots of words. A lot of it was just being still in the presence of God. 20 minutes. I remember uh, Pastor Reverend Cho, who used to be the senior pastor here, he challenged me once to pray one hour every day. And, and, and I just felt so convicted. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not a very prayerful pastor. I got to do it. And so I started to tr- try to pray one hour every day. And I fell asleep every single time. <laughs> About 10 minutes in, I would do it at like 1 p.m. right after lunch. And the sun would be, uh, the, the, the house we were renting at the time, the sun came in the window. Just we had these ridiculous windows. There's so much sun coming in. Like my house was so warm, which is nice in the winter, but it's not nice when you're trying to pray. And just the sun was coming in. I had food coma, and I'd fall asleep every time. And there were some things that I learned from that. I'm like, okay, where in the Bible does it say that you have to pray for an hour every day? You guys know the chapter and verse? You guys know the book of the Bible? It's not there. Where in the Bible does it say, thou shalt have a quiet time every day or you're a bad Christian? It's not there. Quiet time is not in the Bible. The principles are there. Of course the principles are there. But the practice of the modern devotional, the way we've constructed it, is not in there. And so, friends, I'm going to say something, and and I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. (laughs) If it's not bringing you rest in Jesus... I wonder, I wonder. I'm not telling you, right? I mean, you have freedom in Christ. I wonder if it's something you should either drop or change. And maybe that sounds really unspiritual. (laughs) And this idea, like, could it be this simple? Could it just be about learning to come before Jesus? That's what it is. And so for me, I had to redefine the way I did my time with God. And by the way, uh, trying to spend time with God silently, uh, for one, I learned that doing it at one o'clock after lunch was not a good time to do it, right? Just, I had to learn to, to do a different time. You know, and, and now I do it in the morning, but before I couldn't do it in the morning because I couldn't wake up in the morning and do it. And so sometimes I would just do it like whenever I could, like four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, sometimes I'd do it at 10.30. I'd just do it random times. And then I found that it actually worked better for me if I did it in the morning. 
And so then I moved it to the morning. But I had this freedom to kind of change it, you know? And for me, um, just being still and praying, I, I fell asleep every single time. So you know what I started doing? Is I started going for prayer walks. I would just walk around my neighborhood. I would just like look at the trees and look, look at the clouds, right? And it was just a time where I was with Jesus. And by the way, I didn't always think about Jesus the whole time. My mind wandered. My mind wandered so much. So much, in fact, I'm like, is this even prayer? Does this even do anything? I'm just walking, right? Anyone can walk. But friends, I think God knows your heart. And if in your intent you want to spend time with Jesus, I think he's going to honor that. And some of what I'm saying, friends, is just we have great freedom in Christ to learn how to be with Jesus. And it's going to look different for you than it is for me at different stages in your life. There's lots of great wisdom in there. But I think there's a reason why Jesus in all his wisdom, in all of the many teachings and sermons he had, he never was like, come close, I'm going to teach you how to have the best quiet time. Because <laughs> he knew that it wasn't one size fits all. He knew that at different moments in your life, you were going to need to do different things. And if you just kept doing it in a certain way, well, friends, you're going to really start to look like a certain group of people that existed in Jesus's age. These people who saw the Bible and they looked at it and they read it diligently and they studied it and they knew it and they started to do these things and they did them so rigidly that if you didn't follow it exactly the way that they saw it in the Bible, you are not a spiritual person. You were a sinner. And you know who those people were called? They were called the Pharisees. And Jesus was more critical of the Pharisees than anyone else. So friends, I, I want to ask you, do you think God is asking you to be a Pharisee? <laughs> Jesus is asking you to be a Pharisee. Or he is trying to give you a different way of living. Because actually, what you see in this context is who he's talking to are people who have been crushed by religion, by religion's expectations. That's the heavy burden that they have been carrying. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to sacrifice at this time. I got to purify myself at the, the, the temple if I sin in this way. I have to go, uh, observe all of these things, and I got to do it to the letter, and I have to do it legalistically, and if I don't, I'm a bad follower of God, right? And that was the way that people thought. And Jesus was like, I want to make it really simple. Come to me, and you will find rest. <laughs> so simple. It's so simple that for some of us, we're like, oh, we get uncomfortable. We're like, Pastor Steve, this is just too much liberty. Mm -mm. You know, it makes me really uncomfortable, right? It, it sounds like so, like, like, like kitty, right? It sounds so juvenile. Just to say, like, like, Pastor Steve, what are you talking about? You just go for a walk and you just spend time with God and you have this freedom to do it. And friends, I want to show you the kind of, the way that, that Jesus introduces, the, the, the passage right before he says the, the whole, come to me, all who labor and heavy are laden. Verse 25, uh, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Who do you think were the wise and understanding in his time? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He says, you've hidden it from them. They don't get it. Their religion has become too sophisticated, too in their head, too intellectual. But you revealed it to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So then he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So who does God, who does Jesus choose 
to reveal the Father to, to anyone who is tired and heavy laden, anyone who's willing to just come as they are. He's offering that kind of life with you, right? See, because this is the thing. You can do religious observance. You can even read about God, right? And none none of that is bad, by the way, right? But it is incomplete. And what Jesus is saying is much better is instead of just doing this, right? And by the way, I mean, he's saying like the, the, the way that they've been doing religion, it's just become this incredibly heavy burden. It's not giving you life. It's not giving you joy. It's not bringing you closer to God. It's just making you proud and legalistic, right? He says, so come to me instead because I'm the source, right? And come to just learn how to be intimate with me. And friends, again, right, I just want to just get this out of your mind. Don't hear that in a particular way. Well, I guess I have to have a quiet time and I got to do it in this way. I got to read the Bible this long. Let's get rid of that, friends. Just get it out, right? It's not what it's about. You got to learn just how to come and be with Jesus. And yes, learn from him. And yes, learn how to do life from him. But if you don't know how to even spend time with Jesus, I mean, I've heard people say this before, and I mean it. If you're learning how to read the Bible, some of it is just like learning the, the, the habit of, of, of reading Scripture. You know, and some of us are, are not in that habit. You know, and I tell people this all the time. If you don't know how to pray, pray one minute. Just pray one minute every day. Or read Scripture one minute, one minute every day. Like, but Pastor Steve, that's not in the Bible. Well, neither is reading it for an hour, Right? But it's just the idea that if that helps you bring you closer to God, but if you get really legalistic about that, then don't pray for one minute every day. Change it up, right? And so, friends, um, you know, it, it is about this idea of this burden that we carry, and God wants to carry it for you. So I, I want to just give you a little bit of direction, and we're going to go into more detail as we go in, in this sermon series about how we can seek the kingdom in this way, in a way that is not burdensome, in a way where your yoke will be easy, okay? But friends, I just want to give you a little bit of advice, and, and you know, if this is helpful, great. But again, you have great freedom in Jesus, so if this isn't helpful, that's okay too. So what you might want to do when you uh, uh, feel burdened, well, by the way, I think that a lot of us, we um, basically, when we are uh, burdened, uh, for a lot of us, we um, have one of two things that we do, right? And so I, I put flesh versus spirit because we have a natural way of dealing with the burdens in our life. And by the way, right, we already said, if you're tired and burdened, and you have already been trying to alleviate your burdens, don't you? Right? Isn't that why some of us play Fortnite? Right? Isn't this why some of us, we, we, we like binge on, you know, uh, ice cream or whatever, or we, we just take a nap whenever we're stressed out, right? We're doing things to lighten our burdens. And so the question that we have to ask is, how well is it working? Right? The way that we naturally do it, this is what Paul calls the flesh, and we have a natural way of doing it. It is built into your genetic code, okay? This is just the way we've been doing it from the beginning of humanity. And so it is based on fight or flight. And so, uh, for, like, basically, what you're going to find, and, and I mean, I would encourage you guys, if you get a chance to talk about this in your small groups or whatever, um, to try to identify what is your primary way of dealing with burdens, and for most people, it's going to be a different way. I'm going to tell you what mine is, 
But just when you hear these two descriptions, just try to figure out which one is your primary way. I think we usually use both, but we might have a way that we gravitate to more. Uh, so either we fight or we fly. Fly, we, we fight or flight, right? We, we fight or flee. And so number one, if the fighting is about doing more, trying to control outcomes, right? So when you feel burden, you're like, okay, we're going to develop a plan. I just need to work hard. I just need to grin and bear it. I need to like organize my life so that everything is going to be absolutely certain, right? So that, that's one way of living. And another way is doing less. And so this is the running away. This is the fleeing. Right? And we try to avoid the outcomes. We don't even want to think about the outcomes. Right? And so if something is really burdensome, we just want to forget about it. So we just binge Netflix or, you know, we, we, we take a nap. Right? Or we're just like, oh, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to even think about it. Right? The people in number one, they would want to think about it all the time. Right? And if you have a spouse who's a number one and you're a number two, you guys are going to constantly be like, like the, the, your spouse who's a number one is going to be like, let's talk about your problems. And then number two is like, I don't want to ever talk about it. I just want to eat ice cream. Okay, leave me alone. Friends, I'm a number two. <laughs> I, I, I just want to run. Right? I got to tell you, I think about leaving the church two or three times a month. <laughs> and I've been doing that for the last 19 years. And I still haven't left, but I think about it all the time. Why? Because I'm a runner. That's what I do. When I get stressed, I just start fantasizing about like, maybe God's calling me to Hawaii. (laughs) Lord, is that you? And he still hasn't called me to Hawaii, so I'm still here, right? But I think about it, right? And and for me, like, like, you know, I, I, I like seriously do this thing on Mondays where I like don't look at my emails at all. I don't check messages at all until Tuesday. I, I don't want to know about it, right? Just thinking about it burdens me. And so, you know, maybe some of you are more that number one and you're, you're always controlling and you always need to get everything in order. But either way, friends, this is a fleshly response. And if it works, I would say keep doing it. <laughs> but if it's not working, maybe there's a different way. And so Paul says, yeah, you got the flesh, but there's a better way, being controlled by the Spirit. And so this is something we need to learn to kind of overcome. And one of the ways we access the Spirit, we access the grace of God, is through spiritual disciplines. I think Satan has done us great damage by taking really good words in the church and turning them into really kind of burdensome things, like discipline, disciple, right? These are great words. But we hear that and we just start to get feel heavier, right? When we hear the word discipline, you know. But it's again, friends, it is meant to lighten your load. Okay. So, are you a number one? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you know, I don't know. Can we just be honest, guys? How many people think you're a number one, or primarily, like like you want to control things when you get burned? Okay, cool, cool, yeah. Um, and so, if you're a number one, naturally you want to do more. So. This is something uh, Dallas Willard talks about when he talks about different spiritual disciplines. He thinks there's two general categories. And one is what he calls disciplines of abstinence. And again, there's great freedom here. You might find better uh, uh, results in the other category of spiritual disciplines, but it just seems to me, if your natural response is to do more, then maybe you need to learn to do less. And that's what abstinence is about, right? And so the, some of the disciplines of abstinence is learning to, like, solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, sacrifice, 
right? And maybe learning one of those would be helpful. Again, great freedom in Christ. I'm not telling you these things so you write them down and you become really legalistic about them. But maybe, you know, if you're the kind of person who just like, I got to do, 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 do. Maybe for you, taking a walk by yourself outside or going to the park, right, just alone might be actually good for you. You do that for 20 minutes. And that spirit of like, ah, I got to do, I got to control, it might leave you after 20 minutes, right? And create room for a different kind of spirit. Now, who's a number two? I'm a number two, right? So, so you, you like to run. You like to do less when you get stressed out. So... If your natural tendency is to try to avoid outcomes, then maybe what we might uh, need to do is to uh, learn disciplines of engagement. So these things are like study, right? Studying scripture, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, and submission. And so for some of us, when we are in that mode of running away, especially if you come from like, I mean, I'll just tell my story. Like coming from... uh, the culture that I come from as a Korean and as my parents, I shared this last week, they survived the Korean War. And my parents, their work ethic is ridiculous. And my dad, even on his days off, he's working, right? Like always working, 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 working. And he could never take time off. And I learned that in my soul. And even though I did less, I always felt super guilty about it, right? And so maybe taking a discipline of engagement where you actually, you know, you do something right? You, you actually do something in the Lord could actually bring you uh, closer to God. So maybe, you know, uh, what might be helpful is like, you know, learning celebration. If you, you're feeling like a lack of joy, take out a guitar and start praising God. Maybe for you, you know, you don't need to go and you don't need to fix everything in your life and, and you know, do all the things that, that you're falling behind, but you need to get into a different space and a frame of mind. And maybe just by worshiping God and celebrating, even the act of strumming that guitar, doing something, will start to help the spirit to be able to create room in your life for something different. Does that make sense? Yeah? Maybe if, if, if you need more uh, a discipline of abstinence, you're not ready to kind of do more, then just listen to a praise song. Just press play. That's all you got to do. It's not heavy work, right? This isn't a heavy burden. Just press play and just listen. Listen, right? And so, friends, it, it, these are just suggestions um, by the way, there is a third category of uh, when you feel overburdened. This comes from, uh, I learned this from a book uh, called Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And what they said is that in nature, <laughs> like let's say there's a gazelle, right? And there's, there's like a, a lion. You know, uh, if the gazelle is like, oh, that lion looks kind of small and thinks that it can actually win, it might fight it, right? And try to kick in the teeth or something, you know? Um, but if it can't win, if they're like, oh, t- lion's too fast, it has to make this really quick decision, then they run away, right? But sometimes the gazelle gets caught, right? And, and so this is the third thing we see. We, we actually now, a lot of people say, they don't say fight or flight, they say fight, flight, or freeze, because there's a third option. And freeze is when, <laughs> okay, I know this is a little grisly, but imagine, this, is, this comes from the book, that uh, the lion has caught the gazelle, and it's in the jaws of the gazelle. Uh, sorry, the jaws of the lion, right? The, the jaws clamped around the gazelle's neck, and the gazelle is just stuck, right? Now, fighting is not going to help you. Running away is not going to help you. So what the gazelle does is, in nature, it's almost like it, it just goes limp, right? And its eyes glaze over, and it's just like, why does it do that? It's playing dead, right? And it's the last-ditch hope that maybe the lion will be like, 
all right, let's go kill another gazelle and just leave you alone. Maybe, maybe. It's like just a Hail Mary, right? And this is the thing, friends. When you get really, really overwhelmed, sometimes people call this, uh, uh, I think Brene Brown calls it overwhelm. Some people just call it shutdown. Your body just shuts down. Do you ever get so overwhelmed by life, just so overburdened that it's just like you just, you know, it's like the power went out in you, right? That's this freeze. You can't do anything. And friends, um, even if you're one or two, you may sometimes get to three, especially if you experience great trauma in your life. And if you experience great trauma in your life, three might actually be the response you always go to. You just shut down. And in that case, friends, I got to say, it's not always so easy. Um, You might need to do both, just whatever's going to be helpful, whatever you can possibly reach for. You know, if it's just to press play and to hear a praise song, if it's just to call a friend and have them speak words of hope over you, if it's just to sit there and just pray and God help me, God help me, if, if that's all you can do, friends, that's okay. We have great freedom, right? But you need to show yourself a lot of grace because God wants to show you a lot of grace, Right? And so, friends, when we talk about all this stuff, really the ultimate thing is this idea that you are not alone. The idea of a yoke is you're yoked. The idea of a yoke is that you're not doing this alone. God is there with you. And we need to learn how to do this life with him. We need to learn to approach our our spiritual discipline from a place where we get to the sense that we know we're not alone and God is there acting on our behalf. The kingdom of God is not a passive place. It is a place where God is always working. That's one of the reasons why you don't need to work. One of the things that I've experienced when, when uh, I've just been walking around in a park doing nothing, <laughs> because I have this within me where I'm like, I got to do something, right? I, I'm just worthless. Right? I'm a piece of garbage if I don't do anything, right? I'm just good for nothing. I'm a beksu in Korean. You know, this idea of I, I just do nothing. I'm just layabout, right? I got to do something, you know? And so sometimes just... Walking around the park, I sit on a park bench, I'm looking at the water, and I'm just trying to, you know, sense God with me and just create space for God, and my mind is wandering. And, and there was this moment, I, I remember this moment, I was at a park, I was right by the highway, and I could hear the cars going by, just near, 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 and at first it was really annoying. But then I started to hear trucks go by, these really big trucks, and they're carrying these heavy loads. And one of the things I realized is, you know what? I I know, like, some of you guys are going to think this is obvious, but I didn't know this in my heart, that for that 30 minutes, the universe doesn't need me. (laughs) God is taking care of the whole universe without me. And if I don't work for 30 minutes, the world is going to keep spinning, right? The trucks are going to keep driving. People are going to keep doing what they do. It's going to be okay. I can be held by this God for 30 minutes. And something started to transform in my heart during that time. I started getting less stressed. I started getting less anxious, right? And my spiritual practice has been to turn to God. Another thing, friends, that you're going to learn is that being in the kingdom of God, it's not being in charge of outcomes anymore. That's why being yoked with Jesus is so freeing. Because basically, you're doing this with Jesus. And you know that if you're like on one side of that yoke and Jesus is on the other side, who do you think is doing the heavy lifting? Do you think you're doing 99% of the work? Mm. You're not going to outwork Jesus, right? And friends, in many ways, we can let go. You just do your work and you better believe Jesus, the workhorse that he is, right? 
He, he, man, Jesus is, he's going to hard carry you guys. He's going to hard carry you, right? And so you can let go. You can let go of the things you're doing. Just, just do it. And, and we're going to need to learn how to say, okay, Jesus, you do it. I don't know if I'm going to get that job. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I don't know what that medical prognosis is going to be. I don't know how the future is going to work out. But I can just live in this moment, and you will take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And this is Jesus' advice. It's so simple. right? It's not sophisticated. Just come to me, and don't stop coming to me. I shared this with the praise team, that there are times where, um, one thing I have a really hard time letting go of is the outcome of sermons. It's so stupid, because I don't know how you guys are taking it, right? But I worry about it. And if I feel like, like it was like a C sermon, yeah, I'm just like, oh, did I just wreck the church? <laughs> did I just set the kingdom of God back? You know, and it's so silly. But I feel that. I feel that burden, and I like can't worship. I can't be at peace. You know, and I've just had to learn how to just keep coming to Jesus. I can't fix that. I can't figure out, you know, whether people like my sermon or not. <laughs> but I can keep coming to Jesus again and again and again. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burdened? Friends, can we just take a moment and just however that means for you. Maybe it's using words. Maybe it's not using words. Maybe it's closing your eyes. Maybe it's not closing your eyes. There's great freedom. If that doesn't work for you, do something different next time. But however you feel called right now, let's just come to Jesus. Whatever that means to you. Just in this moment, friends, just, if you can open your heart for a moment, just humbly to say, I am not God. I'm not the king of the universe. I can't do it all. So I'm going to need great help. Jesus, I want to learn how to come to you how to rest, how to lay down these burdens, how to just learn from you, how to be healed by you, how to enjoy you, how to celebrate in you, how to have joy in you, how to be thankful in you, how to just forgive and let go the things that I've been holding on to that I thought I needed to control. Lord, I just come to you. I come to you open-handed. I come to you exactly as I am. Thank you, God, for receiving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.